0: Before we begin, I just want to let you know that this episode of the News Brief was pre-recorded. For the latest on breaking news around the coronavirus, go to WREL.com. From WREL News and the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, this is your coronavirus North Carolina News Brief for Wednesday, August 12, 2020. I'm Cliff Bumgardner. The effects of the coronavirus pandemic are not difficult to spot. They're around us all the time. It's why I'm recording this show from my house, for example. But this week, here on The News Brief, we're diving into a conversation about how the pandemic may impact our world for years to come, even when many of the most obvious side effects have faded. Today, we're picking up where we left off on Monday, as WREL's Travis Fain talks with NC State professor Tom Berkland and Dr. Katie Rosenbaum from the Duke Center for Child and Family Policy about children and the challenges the next generation may face because of the coronavirus.
1: Doctor, we were talking off camera a bit about how these one-to-one connections are so important. We almost have to manufacture them uh, in our society, particularly in children. And now, of course, that's been taken away at least through schools. And that could have ripple effects years down down the road,
2: correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I worry a lot about the long-term effects on child development and outcomes. And here's why. We know that we are all under an incredible amount of stress right now. There's a lot of anxiety about what's coming next, and there's a lot of uncertainty about what's going on. That is totally trickling down to the children in our lives, the children who are around us, and they have fewer capacity to cope with it. So we know that adversity and stress in childhood can lead to long-term outcomes of mental health challenges, aggression, anxiety, depression, it can lead to physical health challenges, even to things like diabetes or heart disease, and it can lead to more risky behaviors as they grow older, um, a harder time in school, more likelihood of dropping out, substance use, delinquent activity, all of these things can be an outcome. And here's why, briefly, when we're under stress, our stress response system, which developed you know, over the millennia to keep us alive is scanning for for danger in the environment all the time, looking for any cues that there's threat out there. And there are plenty of cues right now that there is threat. As soon as we notice that threat, our body says, we need to send out some chemicals to make sure that we fight this off, that we run away from it, or that we try to hide, fight, flight, or freeze, which you may have heard of. Those chemicals in our bodies disconnect us from our thinking, our conscious decision-making and problem-solving. They can disconnect our capacity to form relationships, and they can disconnect our um, structure and routine in our lives and lead to long-term health repercussions, as well as changes in brain development for kids. So we're going to see those impacts right now. And if we do not make an intentional effort within our homes, our schools, and our communities to actively support and respond to these needs in kids, we're going to see some trouble down the road.
1: Dr. Birkeland, does your research indicate that that people take that sort of compounding effect seriously uh, and that society attempts to address it to mitigate some of those things in the wake of a disaster?
3: We do We do know that the post-disaster period is the best time to try to work on mitigation of disasters. Um, what I know is from the natural hazards research, uh, uh, Research and so the natural disaster research, that you know one of the best times to get people's attention about, for example, uh, mitigating a flood or an earthquake is right after. You know, you had an overpass fall down or a, you know a, a dam over spills, and say, well, maybe we should have built the dam better. Maybe should build should have built the overpass better. But at the same time, the 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 tendency is for people to want to get back to normal. Right. There's this big tendency that's like we're going to we're going to build back to to where we had before. And the problem is that that what you had before is uh the same vulnerability you had before. So the idea is to build back better. We talk about resilience a lot, both in terms of personal resilience. We talk about community resilience, right? And there's three ways that communities can bounce back, be resilient from a a disaster, like a pandemic or a disaster. You can bounce back to where you were before, which means that you could right back to another bad situation later, you could bounce back better. You can build back better, build systems to mitigate the effect of a a future event, or you can fail to bounce back to where you were before. And that's true both of individuals, I think, and also of communities where, you know, communities themselves suffer from uh, repeated um, injuries from, you know, pandemics or from Natural disasters, whatnot, and so do people. And we have, you know, good psychological evidence that suggests that people that have um, disaster experience—not disaster experience so much, but but uh, experience with uh, pandemic diseases early in life—carry um, that that weight with them for years. So um, it's a difficult thing to handle uh, well.
0: Be sure to come back on Friday as we wrap up this conversation with a dive into education and look at how the future of schools may be tied to the development and availability of internet access. This has been your Coronavirus North Carolina News Brief for Wednesday, August 12th, 2020. As always, if you enjoy the show and the information you get here, let us know. Leave a rating and review wherever it is you listen. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our new episodes. Thanks for listening.